In the weeks between episodes, we may discuss stories that we found interesting, but didn't have enough information to warrant a full discussion. This is one of those weeks. This is Vice and Villainy, reporting on the criminal and mysterious. We are your source for the stories that shape your world. Sixty miles south of Everland, as you travel north on the Evermore Way, you begin to see the land open up before you. With the Evermores to the west and High Forest to the east, for what seems like hundreds of miles, you felt boxed in, almost claustrophobic. But at this point they start to recede, allowing you to see the horizon, leaving you feeling hopeful, excited to finally reach a good-sized town again. Michaela Banner lived with her father, Arnett, in Yartar. She was short, with bright blue eyes, blonde hair, a button nose, and slightly crooked teeth. Arnett worked at the barge shipyards, earning a modest living for his family. Michaela worked as a server at the Tired Traveler Tavern, doing what she could to help contribute, as they accrued a sizable amount of debt attempting to cure Michaela's mother of the feather lung disease she had contracted and ultimately succumbed to three years prior. Our story this week is of Michaela, a 20-year-old human woman who was found slumped over in a horseless wagon, 150 feet off the side of the Evermore Way, covered in blood, 250 miles from home. When authorities finally arrived from Everland, they followed standard procedure, blocking off the area, questioning the people who reported it, carefully examining everything from where the wagon had left the road to where it stopped, and taking an exhaustive look at the wagon and its contents. Hoof marks indicated the wagon was stopped at a point approximately 30 feet before it left the road, which, according to my source, was where investigators believe the attack occurred. Unfortunately, due to the amount of travel the Evermore Way receives, there was no way to narrow down a set of tracks to an attacker on the road. Following the wagon tracks off the road and through the field, they found nothing of significance aside from a set of humanoid tracks. The wagon left the road at a high rate of speed and continued that speed until it stopped, presumably because Michaela passed out. The humanoid tracks paralleled the wagon at a run. They were large boots, and based on the depth of the heel strikes, they were left by a man between 170 and 200 pounds. Reins in hand, she was found slumped over onto the passenger side, blood covering the right side of her midsection, leg, and arm. Due to the warm spring temperatures and humidity, Blood dryness samples led investigators to believe she had been dead for approximately 10 to 12 hours. This meant the attack had occurred somewhere between 8 and 10 p.m. the previous night. In the wagon, they found her personal belongings, a pack with clothing, food, all the normal things a person would bring on a trip. Also in the back were several casks of beer, wine and whiskey, crates of dried beef, boar and venison, wheels of cheese, and 10 bolts of fabric. None of those things appeared to be disturbed, as the ropes holding them down were knotted well. On the ground outside the driver's side of the wagon, an empty coin purse was found, presumably belonging to Michaela, along with matching boot tracks to what they had seen coming off the road. Investigators still had no idea who she was or why this had occurred. 
but at this point they had to believe it was a robbery attempt gone wrong. After re-examining the contents of the wagon, they found the fabric bolt wrappers had markings belonging to Firelust Fabrics, a well-known fabric shop in Yartar. After completing their field investigation, they hitched a horse and pulled the wagon back to Everland to complete a more detailed check of the wagon and its contents, while two of the investigators rode on to Yartar to see what they could find there. Arriving in Yartar, the investigators began by checking in with local authorities, informing them of the situation. Offering help, they were accompanied to Firelust Fabrics by a Yartarian investigator. There they met with Mrs. Firelust and discovered that a young woman had picked up an order just a few days prior. Describing her, she matched the description of the woman in the wagon perfectly. One of the tailors knew her as a server at the Tired Traveler Tavern, but did not know her name. In a coy move, waiting until they were almost out the door, the investigators asked if there was a receipt for the bolts of fabric. Mrs. Firelust, caught off guard, stammered about needing to look in the back and that if they came back later, she was sure she could find it. It was at the Tired Traveler Tavern that they finally had a name. Talking to the owner, Nash Bador, they learned the woman was named Michaela Banner and was a server at the establishment, but also recently began transporting goods from Yartar to Everland for extra money. The casks of beer in the wagon were brewed by him. He figured that if she was making the trip anyhow, he might as well make some extra coin as well. Meanwhile, in Everland, investigators had begun a more thorough look at the wagon itself. They unloaded the contents and had people inspecting the casks, food, and fabric for any clues. Simultaneously, they began taking the wagon apart, looking for markings or hidden compartments. When one of the wagon builders they had brought in was underneath the chassis looking around, she noticed a peculiar change in the wood. While the entire wagon was made of red oak, there were several panels that were made from walnut. As a precaution, they brought in a wizard to check for anything magical, and when she cast Detect Magic, several of the panels lit up in a bluish-purple hue. Checking the panels for traps came next. Each had a small hole opposite where the hidden hinges were, where it was discovered that a poison needle was located. And once they were safely inside, they were shocked at what they found. Back in Yartar, the investigators began the difficult task of informing Arnett Banner that his daughter was dead. Finding him at work at the barred shipyards, they pulled him aside to deliver the troubling news. In an effort to provide a grieving man some privacy, I'll just say that Arnett was devastated. His boss gave him time off to make preparations, and his co-workers, many already helping since the loss of his wife, pledged additional assistance where possible. From there, they returned to Fireless Fabrics. A frantic Mrs. Firelust invited them in the back, quickly shuffling them past other patrons and employees. Once in a place of privacy, she explained that there was no receipt. The entire deal was kept off the books, as a middle-aged woman had come in with a sizable pouch of gold to ensure no questions were asked. All she required was for one of her employees to load the bolts of fabric in private. When Mrs. Firelust recalled the woman's looks, there was nothing that stood out. She could have been anyone. With no additional leads and no reason to doubt Mrs. Firelust, investigators thanked her and asked her if this woman or anyone asking to load anything in private were to return to make immediate contact with them. With what information they had, the investigators from Everland thanked those from Yartar and began the trek home with an agreement to stay in contact and share whatever new information was discovered. Inside the three compartments under the wagon was a trove of magical spell components as well as a piece of parchment with an inventory listing. In the first compartment, 
There was a jade circlet, 20,000 gold pieces worth of diamonds, and a mithril orb. In the second compartment, approximately 100 ounces of mercury, and in the third, 10 hummingbird feathers, several small vials of blood, which was later to be discovered to come from an umberhulk, and roughly three cubic inches of what appeared to be humanoid flesh. The wizard explained possible uses for each while examining the parchment. It was written in common, in block lettering, with no signature. Seeming a little too simple to be included with such a trove of components, on a hunch she cast Dispel Magic on the parchment and watched as the letters rearranged themselves on the page. The list of components was still there, but arranged by who is to receive them. No proper names were given, merely listed as Caster 1, Caster 2, and Caster 3. A few days later, the investigators sent to Yartar had returned, sharing what they had discovered. It was at this point they called in a cleric of Lathander to assist with Michaela's body. From the information I was provided, the cleric performed the resurrection spell, but Michaela's soul did not return to the body. Initially confused, he grew concerned and decided to cast Speak with Dead. While I was not provided the list of questions asked, I was told the answers did lead investigators to several people of interest in both Everlund and Yartar, and that the authorities from both cities are working well together. Additionally, the Harpers have become involved, but what degree and based on what information, I do not know. The investigation is still ongoing. If I receive any additional information, I will be sure to share it. If you have any information or tips that could help solve this story or any of our other ones, please join us on our Discord. The invite link is on our website. We do have a channel that is completely anonymous to protect your identity. Thank you for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Vice Villainy Pod. Vice and Villainy is a CLDG production.